short-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government hug the government love. The government hug the government love. Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, attorney and former deputy assistant to President Trump, May Mailman. Hey, Mike. Hey, May. So, like I said, I on the on the regular show, there was a lot we didn't have a chance to get to, and I am very interested in getting your take on all of these things, particularly, and I'll kind of uh, set the stage for this. So, on July 27th, it was so not that long ago. The House Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution and Limited Government held a hearing on gender-affirming care. Now, now Jay and I have discussed this on the show a number of times in the past, but uh, as I kind of hinted at at the regular show, this recent hearing gives us kind of an unusual opportunity because you were actually one of the six witnesses who testified. And for listeners, May's a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Law Center. Uh, her testimony centered on how gender ideology uh, involves or affects legal protections for women in athletics. And so, May, you, you opened your testimony by discussing this recently proposed rule by the Department of Education and how it relates to Title IX. Now, according to the department, the proposed rule would build on sort of long-standing Title IX rules that protect equal athletic opportunities for women and girls, that would establish that policies violate Title IX when they categorically ban transgender students from participating on sports teams that are consistent with their gender identity just because of who they are. The department says that the proposed regulation recognizes that sort of one-size-fits-all policies on this are not equitable because they don't take into account different levels of competition, different types of sports. And the department says they expect that under this rule, for instance, elementary-level students would be able to be on teams consistent with their gender identity, but there would be allowable limits on the participation of older students for things like uh, fairness and competition, those sort of objectives. And in reading the Department of Education statement, that seemed like, I don't know, I felt it seemed like a reasonable balancing approach. I mean, ideally, I'd like to see transgender kids playing on teams that match their gender identity so long as it doesn't have uh, significant negative effects on fairness or on competition. But I guess lar- pulling back, it seems to me that there are at least two issues here, right? First, there's the legal issue, which involves the department's legal authority just even to propose this regulation in the first place. And then there's maybe the issue of does this make for sensible policy, even if the department can do that. And I know that you've thought a lot about both of those issues, but I thought we could start with sort of the just basic legal authority of the Department of Education to do this, because I think you you have some issues with even if they have the authority to do this in the first place, right? Right. So even if you thought that it was a good idea uh, to protect gender ideology based distinctions, protections um, in schools, I really don't think you can use Title IX to do it because Title IX says that no person in the United States shall on the basis of sex 
be excluded from participation in an educational program that receives federal benefits. So that is schools, and then that is the program that schools run, and that's sports, unless you don't take federal money, which is very rare. Um, And so there's been this question of, okay, I see that it is meant to, and, and clearly, if you look at the legislative history, this is meant to protect women, right? This is when women were not allowed to have certain majors, uh, women couldn't, like there weren't any sports for women. There weren't any programs for women. Women were just 100% treated differently and in in fact excluded from schools entirely and programs when they got into schools. The initial title was like the Women's Educational Equality Act. It was meant for women. This was meant to protect the sex that is women. So. I think the argument that, well, it actually is meant to protect uh, gender identity, people who identify as women, people who identify as men, uh, transgender people. And, you know, uh, transgenderism has has morphed, I think, into more than I identify as women and men. There's like all sorts of different things now. But um I think that the reason that that doesn't make any sense in the Title IX context is that Title IX is just completely rich with discussion about sex, meaning biological sex, meaning men and women. So in Title VII, the Supreme Court said that discrimination because of sex includes discrimination because of sexual orientation or gender identity. Because you're treating like, oh, um, I would, I'm going to let a woman wear a dress, but I'm not going to let a man wear a dress. That is ultimately discrimination because of sex. Title IX is just a very different statute. It basically allows sex-based differences. It says that you can have fraternities and sororities that are based on sex. You can have uh, girls' state conferences. You can have YMCA you can have separate living facilities for the sexes. I mean, it is completely just thorough in its allowance of sex-based differences. And I think that that context makes it very clear that we're not, that this isn't, that this is meant to protect women as women um, and, and not morph it into some idea of gender ideology. So, So, Yeah. So that's, so that's for me the legal distinction between Title VII and Title IX. So so you don't think that that it it can be reasonably read to protect say biological males who identify as women that would be a that would be a a stretch or an incorrect reading of the legislative intent of Title IX. Well, IX. it would that- it would eviscerate the all like the the statute itself, right? So if the statute says you can have separate living facilities for the sexes, but then you go and you treat men who identify as women as women, therefore uh, eliminating the separate sex living facilities. Like it would make the entire statute self contradictory, where it says this is Title IX is meant to protect discrimination on on the basis of sex, and here are the things that we are going to allow. We're going to allow all these little sex based differences that are not. Dis- you know, not discriminatory. We're going to allow sororities. We're going to allow dorms. Um, we're going to allow mother 
son dances and father daughter dances. So we are going to create all these carve outs that are sex based. And then to say, well, actually, no, because men who identify as women fall into that carve out. Well, then there are no carve outs. It just, it, it makes the statute illegible to, to treat women as some sort of category that matters whether you're wearing a dress or not, right? Like the whole statute is based on sex-based differences um, that I just don't think is compatible with saying, if you identify, then we're going to just blow up these exceptions. That uh, some some people who argue that uh, the department does have the authority to to do this, they point to uh, a case, Bostock versus Clayton County from 2020. Now, this was uh, a case in which the court found that uh, Title VII actually prohibits employers from firing someone for simply for being transgender. And then later that same year in 2020, the Fourth Circuit applied Bostock in a, in a Title IX case. It was Glim versus, uh, sorry, Grimm versus Gloucester County School Board. And in that decision, they wrote, although Bostock interprets Title VII, it guides our evaluation of claims under Title IX. And so some folks would read that and say, well, see, there's actually some precedent suggesting that actually there is a case to be made for this. But I, I, I'm, I'm guessing you don't you don't really buy that. Um, I, de- I don't. Um, although I will say I also think that Bostock is wrongly decided. So, you know, okay, trying yeah, right. to carve up and interpret. You can't, in my opinion, you can't interpret Bostock because Bostock is so horrendously ridiculous that um, it it's like trying to interpret Roe versus Wade. It's like, where where did this come from? Uh, but anyway, okay. But if we're going to try and interpret Bostick, um, here's what the Bostick court said. Um, and this was also based on PricewaterhouseCooper, which was another Title VII case that's been a little bit more um, longstanding. So it says an individual employee's sex is not relevant to the selection, evaluation, or compensation of employees. Right. So that is kind of the basis of uh, Title VII is because sex should not be relevant. Therefore, you cannot make decisions based on sex. Therefore, you cannot fire someone because of sex. Okay. Title IX is entirely different. Sex is relevant. Sex is very relevant. Sex is dispositive when it comes to athletics. I mean, this is Serena Williams saying men's tennis and women's tennis are two entirely different sports. So it's really hard to take a statute like Title VII that says sex cannot be relevant to your hiring and firing decision with a different context, Title IX, that says you must recognize the differences between the sexes. And in the context of athletics, this is from the regulation, not the statute, but the regulation that Congress asked for and that Congress approved. It says you you must provide equal opportunities for the members of both sexes. That is very different to sex is not relevant. That is look at each sex, look at the opportunities provided to them, look at how they're doing and make sure that they're equal. 
like it's hard for me to find two different ways to think about sex. One is irrelevant and in title nine, it is extremely relevant. So that's why I, I just, Trying to apply Bostock reasoning to Title IX is tough for me. So it's one thing to, to fire someone who's doing a job in which gender or gender identity, the identity is completely aside from the point just because, oh, I found out you're transgender, you're fired. That's different than saying, well, you can't be on the college men's swim team because you're transgender, but you can be on the whatever, the, the team of your biological sex at birth sort of thing. Um, and. It seems to me also, if I understand correctly, there's a burden of proof issue as this proposed uh, regulation is written, uh, that students would be uh, allowed to participate on teams consistent with their gender identity unless the school can demonstrate that it would be unfair or unsafe. So the burden's on the schools. And if I if I recall your testimony correctly, your argument there was that, well, given the potential for litigation and the cost of litigation that a lot of schools would maybe default to things that weren't necessarily fair or safe just because they want to avoid litigation costs. Is that, is that right? Am I recalling that correctly? Right. So we in, at independent women's forum, we're basically viewing this as a burden shift way to view title nine. So right now, if you're a woman, you're entitled to have women's sports. You don't have to prove that you need it. You don't have to prove that you need your privacy. You don't have to prove that you need like a competitive uh, separation. You're just, you're entitled to women's sports. Title IX says equal opportunities for sexes. You're the sex of woman. You get an opportunity. You get the same, you know, you get whatever your sport. Okay. Under the proposed title uh, nine athletics regulation. It says that if you have sex-based criteria for sports, that would limit the sport to transgender people, but not even transgender people, to men. Like it could be to just to men. Um, then you have to prove a couple of things. You have to prove that that sex-based criteria, that the woman's sport is substantially related to the achievement of an important educational objective and to minimizes harms to students whose opportunity to participate on a male or female team consistent with their gender identity would be limited or denied. Okay, a lot of legalese there, but basically women have to prove that they really do need the separate space in this instance. And what the rule goes on to say is that this can't be a blanket determination. It can't be something like uh, women are in general slower and weaker and less tall and have less bone mass and have less quick twitch muscles and have smaller lungs and have like, it can't just be a generalization like that. It has to be in this sport for these athletes in this circumstance, the sex-based criteria makes sense because blah, 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 blah. And that particularization of a reason, which of course someone's going to argue with, right? Like if you are a boy who identifies as a girl, but you're not particularly athletic, like you stereotypically throw like a girl, right? You would argue that allowing you to participate in that team is not going to harm anybody. Right. Now yeah. a different boy, it might. A different boy who has a very strong arm and who does not, quote unquote, throw like a girl, maybe it would. And so now you get into these questions. Oh, my gosh. How 
how hard does this person throw? Is this going to be, it's just going to be so immensely difficult. And then teams are just, they're no longer going to protect women. They're going to say, we're just going to let this student play. And I think that that burden shift is is just the burden is going to fall on to women. And if you want to accommodate transgender students, which I think is a perfectly fine objective, it's not the objective of Title IX, but it is a perfectly fine objective, then you've got to find a way to do it that does not put the burden on women. And I know that this is equal, like it, the burden technically falls on both sexes, but we know that because of the biological differences, the competitive differences are going to fall on women. We hope you enjoyed this preview of our supporters-exclusive midweek show. If you'd like to hear the rest of the episode, we hope you'll consider becoming a supporter. Supporters get ad-free access to all of our shows, membership in our Politics Guys Discord group where you can join in on the conversation, and other benefits at different levels of support. To become a supporter, go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also support us through Venmo or at politicsguys or through PayPal. You'll find all of our support links in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. And if you'd like to get the midweek show, but you're not in a position to become a financial supporter, that's not a problem. Just send me an email at mike at politicsguys.com and I'll be happy to get that set up for you.